Hello and welcome to the unofficial, unsanctioned women's UCI cycling show. My name is Dan and with me, as always, is my Swedish friend, Sarah. How are you, Sarah? I'm fine. I, wanted to, I, I just wanted to say good morning in Sweden, but Swedish, but I failed. I failed to even <laughs> think about it. I was gonna, then I was going to try and do it in a Muppet Swedish, but oh, I no, couldn't remember no. it in Muppet Swedish either. That would provoke a worse international incident than I did last week, bragging about um, my summery winter. By the way, just um, as a side note, Jens, mate, Jens, guess what the temperature is going to be here tomorrow in August, which is technically still winter. 31. Go on, what? 31. <laughs> Fucking global warming's real. People, stop driving your cars. Fuck. <laughs> Horrible. So, welcome to cycling. This has got nothing to do with driving cars <laughs> at all. Um, we're in Sweden. We are, they were in Sweden. And what it does in Sweden this summer is it rains. Yes. It rains and people ride bikes and it's really exciting and I love it. So we started, we're in Vigora, which is the north of Sweden. It's this tiny town in, well, it's not that far from Stockholm, but it's basically, it's not the town that you'd go to. And it's always fun and games. Now we started off with the only team time trial in the world tour, a standalone TTT, always very important because it's, you know, it's it's pretty much the only way that we won that we can really say who might win the world championships. Yeah. Now, Normally, we're looking at Vigorda towards the end of August, but because of the way that the World Tour calendar has changed, it's much earlier. So, And I think that's made the racing this week quite interesting because tons and tons of things can change between, even just moving two weeks up. But, I mean, uh, I mean, do we, do we really need to kind of be surprised about who won the TTT in Vigorda? Um, no, not really. I mean, I think it's pretty obvious on, on paper. For me, what was more interesting was um, what happened in the in the lower placings, you know, um, probably third to fifth in particular, um, maybe sixth. Yeah. Yeah. So not all teams go out for the TTT in a big way. Or, but, at, or at all and, in the case and, of Orica. Traditionally, well, tra- <laughs> traditionally, yeah, well, you know, um, traditionally TTTs are something that only a few teams um, focus on and also have been absolutely dominated by um, by by, certain, by 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 one there's always one team who's head and shoulders by the rest so when you look at the Crescent Vagorda team time trial for, it started in 2008 the first three years were won by the Cervelo test team yep the next four years were won by um, various iterations starting with HTC High Road which became Specialised Lululemon yep Lululemon then in 2015, Rabo Live won it in a really surprising result, and that was when they were absolutely super strong. And last year, it was won by Balls Dolmans, the current world championships. Yep. Uh, the current world champions. This year, it's also won by Balls Dolmans because they are now in this run. So, you know, three to Cervelo, four to the HTC High Road Specialized Lululemon, who are now sort of Canyon Shram, and two to Bowls, one to Rabo in the only really surprising breakout year. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we thought they'd go on to be really. Um, we thought that they'd go on to possibly win the world championships that year, but they had a terrible TTT, which involved it with Anna van der Brega breaking her pelvis, and Annemiek van Vleuten having a concussion. Yeah, so you know that was 2015 was no question a magical standout year for Rabo Live. Um, and but sorry, it's in the wrong race. Yes, in the wrong race, and then um, you know the the next major diaspora of the peloton occurred, and there was a leveling of the playing field, and then all of a sudden, an insane amount of talent, you know, was uh, 
magnetized or something and brought to Bols Dolman. So that's where it lands. Yep, so Bols Dolman's first, Savannah Bigler second, 13 seconds behind them, Canyon Schramm third, uh, 51 seconds behind, of course, Canyon Schramm are the kind of descendants of HTC, I guess you'd say. Um, fourth was Team Sunweb, which did surprise me. Yeah. Fifth was Eagle High Five. Um, sixth was Velo Concept. Seventh was WM3, but, you know, they don't really go out for it and they didn't have Voss. Eighth was FDJ. Ninth, High Tech. Tenth, BTC City, Ljubljana. The nearest thing to Orica was 11th was the Australian national team. Yeah, which it should be said was, um, you know, and we'll get into this a little more, I guess, in the discussion about the road race, but was a fully distinct team from the official Orica team. Orica did not have a team in the TTT, so... Which is as it should be. Um, yeah, weird. No, weird because I do think... I mean, I, what I can't tell is whether, for example, Annemiek van Vleuten is on holiday at the moment, is having a rest period, because you do need to have a lot of rest periods if you're a cyclist. You can't yeah. ride, the whole, ride the whole season. Um, previously, riders would come off their rest period for Vigorda. Do, you know, they basically do Vigorda, Plouet. Then they yeah. choose which race to go, and then they go for worlds. But, See, I think as this we is, say, this is earlier. Yeah, I think this is exactly what you were talking about. You know, at the top of the cast, where you know, even though it's only moved by a couple of weeks, it's enough to to you know have an impact on um, different riders' plans and training schedules and stuff like that. I think you know the short version with Anamik is that yeah, she's resting to try and time another peak for a run at worlds. Which makes which is sense. which is which is completely fine, yeah. yeah. So um, yeah, so I Savello Bigler in second. That's not really a surprise. They no. came. They're on the podium at Worlds last year. Um, yeah. Yeah. Canyon Stram in third. Well, they're going to be disappointed in that. But they don't have Alina Amielusic, who's a mainstay of their team. Um, and they've got Lisa Brenau and Trixie Warwick in there. But but they're not. It's not necessarily the TTT squad that. Yeah. Uh, if they had all their riders fit, would be would be racing. Um, Sunweb in fourth. I think Sunweb can get onto the podium at Worlds I, if they do TTT camps and, and stuff like that. But yeah, yeah I think I'm... with a couple of more camps and a, a little bit more focus, Sunweb um, off this result really could be in contention for yeah. for the podium. It's um, you know it, it really is. And then with the sorry, yep. Yeah, but I think the interesting thing is there still are only like three or four teams that are aiming at the podium. Yeah. 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 Um, and, and that's, I think that's just going to be the way it is because they don't have, it's not like the men's. Um, so this year in the world, in the Giro, for example, the Giro started with a t- team time trial and that was very, very important to the results, but there aren't, there just aren't that many races where a big long TTT, it's going to be worth it. Now in a yeah. men's grand tour, because they've got 18 stages, uh, 18 stages, 18 stages, yep. Yep. they have the chance to have, for example, a big TTT that could really, really shake up the GC. And that's part of the narrative of a long, long yeah. race. But yeah. but part of having, you know, with women's races being limited to a week, unless by special dispensation, then they're not able to, yeah. you know, the, the... You, you're not going to stick a t- sticking a TTT in. It's quite a brave thing to do because then you you know you do pretty much risk having all of all's dolmens in the top six for the race for the whole of the rest of the race you know so yeah i can see why there aren't more tttt's well, around and just then, because of the structure of the races absolutely absolutely and then also from a budgeting point of view too where you know um 
your your average professional women's team would love to have a budget as big as the salary of the lowest paid member of a men's team, basically. Um, you know, in and so the amount of resources that need to be put into crafting a dominant TTT squad um, in terms of getting everyone together, custom bikes, um, and, and lots and lots of training. Custom training, having yeah. paying for a hotel. Now, the thing is, is that women's budgets have gone up really surprisingly in the last couple of years. But you're not necessarily going to notice because where the, where the increases have gone at the top teams, we're talking about the top teams here, the increase has gone on to salary. Yep. So a, I have it on good authority that a... Um, uh, a, a a super domestique, for example, is now probably making the same amount of money as one of the top riders for a team was four or five years ago. Yeah, yeah. So it's and that's which, fantastic. Which that's, is absolutely fantastic. Really it is important to remember, though, that that is also still a reasonably modest amount of money. Like it's it's enough no, to no, no, maybe no. it's enough to live on and and stuff. But it's not. Well, I'm just I'm just adding that as a caveat no, no, for people some, who no, maybe... some, no, 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 that's not true. That's not true. That's not true. Some of the super domestiques in the past, you'd say, well, actually, that rider she's probably making about the same amount of money as she would be doing as an as a, as, as an entry level office job. Yeah, that's not the case now. Like. People are people are they're not. It's nowhere near the stage that the men are that the men are at. But if you're in a top team, you're making you know you're making what people would say was good money. Yeah, sorry, my my attempt at a clarification was in comparison to men's. In case that's what people are used to thinking of in terms of numbers. Yeah, sorry, so, I'm, I'm yep. talking about in comparison with in comparison with you know what your what your the people you went to school with are doing. You know what I mean? Like like in in comparison with. Uh, yeah, so it's still it's it's really good, and it just and it means that fewer right. If you're in a top team, you're not g- gonna have to be doing a part time job on the side to yeah. be able to fund you. You might still decide to run your own business or do this or do that, but it's not because you're doing it for the money. Now that is still a handful of teams, etc. But what I'm saying is that while the budgets of teams have increased, the where they go, where the money goes on, it doesn't doesn't mean that they've got money for things like a TTT camp because the yeah. prime, you know, the, the and the way that the market is going is that if you want to attract the top riders, you're going to have to pay more money. Yes, which means that there's less chance of doing, um, and, uh, you know, a TTT camp and stuff like exactly. that. Exactly, and as you say, that is also the the right and appropriate and correct place for increased team budgets to be going at the moment. Oh anyway, yeah, yeah. I mean, riders. I would much, I, yeah. I would much rather have it be okay. It's 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 a it's not a it's not a horrible decision to make to become a, you know, a, a, a good quality domestique in a team, than okay. Let's go out and pay for a for a TTT camp. Like yes. yeah, it's the right thing. Anyway, so we have a TTT. It's won by Bulls Dolmans. Not really a surprise. Um, yeah. Well, uh, basically, uh, the results were pretty much what you would expect. Um, you know, there might have been slight variations to the order if you asked, you know, six different people to pick them in order. But I, I'd say five of the six would have gone bowls first and, you know, minor placings all would have been in roughly the same spot. Yeah. So we come to Vagorda the Road Race. Now, Vagorda the Road Race is just so much fun. There's Vagorda and Plouet share a lot in common. And they share a lot of common with my favourite like spring racers. They're 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 classic classics. A classic in um you know kind of those spring classic things is that they can literally be won in any kind of way possible. Yeah. And those are my 
favorite kind of races and, and what i love is that when you look at the results of them going back over the years you cannot tell what happened from it like oh it was a bunch sprint but does that mean it was a bunch sprint where you know the bunch was literally caught on the line or it was a tax all the way through or blah 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 blah. you know or, or yeah. it was a solo breakaway well what does that mean you can't tell it from the you know you can't tell what happened from the results in the way that you can suggest for i don't know the an ardennes classic for example and i love it so it starts with it's a little bit oh god it was so annoying and it was live everywhere because the swedes are fantastic mm. um and it's one of the reasons uh, that we're such big fans of this race is that it, it's been the uh, great example of a race that has um, started off quite modestly and built its way up in terms of its coverage and its presence and you know and has just been fantastic so we've gone from years of you know in the early days literally a camera at the finish line that was just turned on for like 30 seconds to a minute as the bunch went through to to now full live coverage around the world which is awesome yeah and it was a little bit confusing because the distance that was in the road book wasn't the distance of the race look i feel like I feel like in in a nod to Swedish precision, the only explanation I can have for that is that they used the Giro guidebook as as an indicator. <laughs> yeah, no, because it's basically they ride, there's this loop, and this loop is very, 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 very familiar because in the olden days of Agorda, basically what you do is you ride this loop, I don't know, 13 times. It's an 11-kilometer loop. Um and then in the TTT, you also, it's also part of the TTT course as well. It's the end of the TTT course. Um, what they've done is they've varied it for the last couple of years, where now you ride the loop four times. Then you go out on a 50-odd mile section, which has um, four or five gravel sections. Yep. And then you come back and you do four laps of the course I say four, but the roadbook said five. So the poor commentators, I really, really felt for them because it was Rob Hatch. I was listening to Rob Hatch and Lucy Martin. I always like Lucy Martin's commentary. And Rob Hatch is lovely. Um, And they were... They were just confused because they're like, well, the graphics are saying one thing and the roadbook says another thing and people on Twitter are saying something else and what the hell is going on? <laughs> so, yeah, it was it was. And I think they did this last year, too. And I and it's a shame because I think Vigorda is a really awesome race, but it does look does not look pro to be confused about how many laps they are because the roadbook's wrong. You know, yeah, anyway, yeah. so they rode four laps now. It was all attacks and breaks and gloriousness and riders over the thing. Now, the loop that they ride, um, you start off with some corners through the town, and it's actually quite a crit-like course because it's narrow roads, very sharp corners, good for escaping, good for attacking. Then you ride out into the Swedish countryside. It's windy and it's open fields, and when it's rainy, brackets, it's usually rainy, it's, it gives good chance to escape. You know, it's not very protected. They hit a hill, the Hunger Hill. I can't say it properly. And they don't, um, and it's not like, this isn't like an epic hill that you'd look no. at and go, oh my God, that would be amazing to climb. Wow, epic. I've ridden up Hunger Hill. It's it's just like a standard hill, but it's short and it's sharp and then it has a draggy bit on top. Yeah. And it's just, and it's, and it's just super and the way that they ride it is super fun to attack yeah and it's at also the right point in the race where you know like it's it's an obvious point to attack but it's also a point where you know launch that attack and it's gonna it's gonna stir things up which is exactly what people want so yeah yeah. or 
launch that attack and while the sprinters may be able to follow you it's exhausted the sprinters a little bit maybe we've knackered out the sprinters to get you know to, when they come to the finish so you know so a rider who recovers well and who enjoys those short sharp climbs will hit it hard because she knows that the rider behind her is it's going to take away some of her energy to kind of to have to keep responding to inevitable attacks over her hill even if they don't make into breaks then they come back so they've got the second half of the loop they ride around the loop they come into the town and they have uh, a roundabout and they have two more corners now yeah. last year we saw for example hannah barnes was in the breakaway group and probably the best sprinter of the breakaway group but hannah barnes took one of those she just misjudged one of those corners and went round it just too wide yeah and and she was and, and that was her out that was game over she was in the wrong position so these you know it's it's you've got to be to win this race you've got to be clever you've got to know which breaks down to which breaks to chase down because the thing is, is that any of these breaks could make it. We talked about this in the European Championships race, mm. how all of the Dutch riders went after everything. Yeah. There was a Dutch rider in every break, and pretty much every break could have won. Yeah. And that's a little bit like the border. It's like, what? where do you spend your energy? Where do you... You have to try and maintain your position, because all of a sudden there could be a break or breakaway, which has, I don't know, Lizzie Danen and Mariana Voss and... Uh, Georgia Bronzini and you know what I mean yeah and, yeah and it's exactly. gone and you're and you and game over so yeah it was just it was a really good fun race to watch completely unpredictable um lots and lots of breakaways none of them made it away like none of them could stay away and it's also fun because as you get into these final laps everything gets a little bit more serious because oh fucking hell we've still got Kirsten Field and Georgia Bronzini and Lotta Lepisto with us right yeah. we're gonna have to do something this lap what can we do and every every lap oh shit will we be able to make it over this hill with them because you know if we don't make it over this hill you know we it, it, it was awesome so much fun to watch um came down to a bunch of sprints yep um, it was a nice bunch sprint too. You know, Ellen Van Dyke kicked a little early and let it out from around about 300 metres to go. And, you know, as we often uh, wax rhapsodical about, Ellen, Ellen, can, Ellen can bike good. Um, Ellen bike, Ellen, Ellen bike good, but Ellen biked, but Ellen, Ellen did make a bit of a mistake in this one because she did lead it out a little bit too early, didn't she? She did in the end, and um, but it's also, and again, as we've talked about quite recently, it's great to see uh, the Wiley Fox back on top form because Voss was Mariana all over Voss. her wheel and um, and was uh, ready to follow. But then it turns out in a surprise twist that Mariana made a mistake, which is not something that you say that often. No. No, no, Mariana made a mistake. She um, she had a, a, a bit of a tag-along with her. She uh, did have a tag-along with her. A finish tag-along. That tag-along. A, a finish, finish tag-along. A, finish, a fin for the finish. A fin for the finish. Lotta Lepisto, who was second last year, who's had a fantastic season this year. She won um, the Gendwedelgen World Tour. She won her first stage of the... Um, of the of, of the her first Giro Rosa win, and now she's won her second uh, second World Tour Classic in winning the Open to Svedvogorda, which was awesome. And as you say, like I'm I'm you know uh, I think people who've been listening for a while can probably uh, surmise this for themselves, but I'm pretty fond of a a good little bunch sprint, and um and it was a fun sprint and it was a fun finish. And I think this is the one of the things that we definitely like about Vagorda is as you talked about before we we've got 
a lot of unpredictability in how the race could play out, but the one the one constant of it is that it's always entertaining because there's almost always a little bit of a surprise in there somewhere. And so, yes. you know, you get that basic story of bunt sprint let out by Alan Van Dyke and, you know, you could go, oh, story over, but it's for Gorda. So, you know, there's a, there's a bit more to it. So, yeah, it was very cool. And it's, I, I mean, I was a little bit disappointed with some of the camera work, to be honest, because there's a lot of like aerial shots and stuff. And it's, it's, it's one of those things where if you don't know where it's, where if you don't know women's cycling, it's quite hard to explain that actually all these little attacks and things, they're not getting away. So if you're a men's cycling fan, you probably think that it's not really doing that much, but it's that exhausting, continual women's cycling pace. You know, it's much, much easier to ride a faster pace yeah exactly if you can you know you can ride a faster pace for a long time and that's that's you know if you're keeping the pace steady that makes you that makes it easy you know that that, that makes it easier than these like continual little attack chase calm down attack chase calm down attack chase calm down because you know like we said you can't yeah you have to be super careful that you're not going to inadvertently you know, miss the miss the move. So exactly. yeah, um, so a lot of the in first. first. Mariana Voss in second. Uh, Leah Kirkman came through for Sunweb in third. Well, um, I'm really happy for her. I mean, yeah. it, 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 Sunweb have messed up their lead out a couple of times this season, and I think that maybe Ellen Van Dyke started a little bit earlier this time. But you know, she also maybe didn't have a choice. Uh, yeah. Christina Mayerus from Bowles in fourth. Ellen van Dyke herself in fifth, Chloe Hoskins in sixth, uh, Marta Bassinelli seventh, uh, last year's winner, Emilia Follin for a wiggle high five in eighth, Maria Giulia Confanonieri ninth, power sprinter Kirsten Field in tenth. Awesome. So, yeah, um, fun. I mean, I, I did got to admit, I really, really loved the whole, right, we have the Gorda one weekend and Plouet the next weekend. That's like my basic dream. So I'm a bit sad that we don't have that because they are, I mean, the Gorda and Plouet are two of my favourite races to watch just for that absolutely anything going to happen. In the same way, you know, I love Drenta, I love Binder for those, you know, these. and it's quite interesting how these races are the ones that don't, I mean, I know Plouet does, but they don't, have the big men's races alongside them but these are the classics that i have a real affection for and i think that might also be because you know we discovered them by ourselves didn't we yeah we and and they've got their own history they didn't um not there's anything wrong with shared history of a men's race or whatever but it's just it's a different thing you know so Yeah. yeah and it's yeah it's different to having say yeah, the um, the Ronde van Vlaanderen had a hundred, you know, was was almost a hundred years old, and now it's had, but it, you know, for the men, is over a hundred years old. But there've been ten women's races. Yeah, you know? yeah, exactly. Like, and, and and I think and I think there was something especially captivating to me about which I'll always have affection for this race because you know when it was the Swedish radio, you know, Swedish audio radio yeah, yeah. commentary it was like the local radio do- station GPS- do the commentary and the, with the a local GPS community dot. college or whatever yeah yeah exactly i mean that's that's really that's you know I, I think there are some races and cycling is very much a sport like this that you just have a lot of affection don't you for yeah. certain races and certain places so yeah so vagorda sigh i love you um mm. this week starting tomorrow is norway yes which is Another race I have affection for because I went. We talked about it last year. Um, oh, it's just going to be great. And it's going to yeah. be live too. So, hurrah. Which is going to be awesome. Um, so, the prologue tomorrow, which is um, not quite three and a half kilometers around Halden. 
Um, then 105. Yeah, it's Norway. Like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, stage no, one on Friday. What, they have yeah. towns that aren't on fjords? Is that what you're trying to say? Yes, yes, they have the towns that are like in the mountains. Yes, yes. And you know what they're called? Pretty towns not on the fjord, but, you know, they're, they're still pretty <laughs> towns. It's Norway. Like, it's what they have. Uh, um, yeah. Anyway, uh, Friday is the 105-kilometer stage Holden to Meisen. Um, Saturday, 140-kilometer stage Sarbsbjerg to Frederikstad. And Sunday is the big stage, 156.6 kilometres from Zweinsund back to Halden. I think that's the one that goes over the bridge, starts on the bridge. Oh, yeah. you know forgive, me, oh. forgive me for my Norwegian pronunciation, please. Tuck. <laughs> yes! <laughs> oh, you're so international. I uh, am. Um, so what else have we seen this week? I saw an interesting article on Ella Cycling Tips about something I've had issues with all the way through that it's happened and so i thought this article was excellent because it kind of addresses some of the issues i've had with it um i think that i know the one that you're talking about and i was pleased when i saw it that some of the things that i think uh, are big issues were addressed by the subject of the interview so there in basically there's an article in on ella citing tips about the zwift academy uh, program the Zwift Academy. Zwift is one of those um, uh, you rig up your you rig up your bike to a um, to a turbo to a trainer and online you do uh, you can race yeah. people online on your trainer. You can interact so, with people online on your trainer and you can do various ex- yeah. cycling exercises. You connect programs. to a smart trainer and you can do smart programs that include virtual races and group bunch rides and stuff. Which is pretty cool because, to be honest, it's, you know, I mean, there's a lot of really interesting tech over the, developed over the last, ooh, let's say, five years yeah. about making being on a trainer more fun and also about giving you some of that experience of cycling yeah. on a trainer. I mean, I, I remember when I was a teenager and I'd go on an exercise bike and it would have a program that would replicate hills or whatever, you know, now this yeah. is a hard program that's going to make it harder. Um, and that was okay but these programs enable you, you know, maybe you can actually watch, you can view a picture of a hill you might be going yep. up. You can be the Sufferfest approach of using actual real racing video. Exactly. To, or the, to, you know, or the, you know, the, that thing of getting the sights and sounds of former race footage that Sufferfest use. Yeah. Um, and, and then like Zwift where they give you the, it's computer generated, but it's an overlay of the bunch and it makes it a bit like a video game because you see your position in the bunch and you've got stats and, you know, all that sort of stuff going on. And you can interact with other people while you're on your trainer, which, you know, means that it gives you some of that cycling out with a club experience or cycling with your mates experience while you're inside, you know, because, because, you know, that's just because you live in a rainy country or whatever. Yeah, exactly. And it's dangerous. Yeah, where it's like four yeah. million miles of snow every winter and um, vertical yeah. miles, that is, and and stuff like that. Or, um, um, look, one of the guys at my work um, recently got onto Zwift and absolutely loves it because he and his partner have had their second baby and he now does night feeds but jumps on the trainer, um, you know, baby in arm, <laughs> bottle in hand, <laughs> and just pedals right. a Zwift. Yeah that's hilarious yeah i hope yeah. that baby grows up to be like a massive olympian or something <laughs> anyway, so one of the, so one of the things that swift did last year was they had a thing which i've always found a little i can completely see why swift did it 
And they had this program where you could have a competition in the Zwift Academy. And if you won it, you got a year's contract at professional team Canyon SRAM. Yeah, and look, particularly as a promotion for Zwift, it makes perfect sense. I mean, of course you'd do that if you could. How how cool is it to say that your online training platform helped place a pro rider? Yeah, now I've always had issues with it because I don't believe that just the numbers are a good indicator about whether you can be a cyclist. I've had issues with it because if I was doing it on the men's side, how I would run it is I'd run exactly the same competition, but you'd go into a Conti or a Pro Conti team so that you'd also have a lot of development of learning the trade of cycling. I mean, we talk about women's, women's cycling is difficult enough to come to as an Australian or a North American or a British rider, just because most of the races are on these like terrible small roads with massive road furniture. And, you know, you're, you're racing against, you know, a hundred women, Dutch women who've been racing in giant bunches since they were 10 years old. Yeah, exactly. Where, you know, like in Australia, you know, the population density is one person every two point something square kilometers roughly um yeah. you know it's in compared belgium, to it's belgium it's like it's like 20 people per 100 square meters or something you know like it's it, it's just different and we do we've talked about this a lot over the years you know things like the it going the other way too you know where like you'd get the euro peloton riding um say the philly classic um you know and and sort of the way that they raced on broad streets had to change because they were on broad streets yes. for a change. And, yes, and, and you have to, yes. Yeah. Yes. And, and so, so the thing is, is I, so I think it's hard enough to come into the peloton as, for example, someone who's been riding the Australian National Road Series and doing really, really well, mm. or riding the American domestic scene and doing really, really well. And I think that's yep. hard enough. And these are people who've been road racing already. I do have a bit of an issue I mean, I can completely see why Canyon Stram are doing it because it's really good publicity mm. and it's good and it's you know and it's an extra sponsor and it's good money. But I've always been uncomfortable with the idea that you go straight into a pro team and that you race some of the biggest races in the world as someone who was very good at Zwift but has not been you know not maybe not even be a cyclist. And when they look when they looked at the profiles of the women who were in the top of the, you know, the the top of the program. There were people like a triathlete, you know, people who've done a very different thing. And so I've always been dubious. I've always been dubious about it. I don't, I've worried about, so Leah Thorvaldson, the American rider who won, I've worried about it in terms of the duty of care because I think that's a really fucking hard baptism of fire. And the Eller article actually does address some of the stuff that, you know, people have been saying that, that a lot of the pro riders don't like it either these this you know in, in other teams don't like it don't like this idea this idea that you can just come into one of the top teams in the world well as, and, a, it, as it, an amateur as just just because your numbers are good does yeah. i feel i feel personally and this isn't any disrespect for leah thorvalson it's not about her personally but i feel like the concept does devalue a bit of what we want to achieve by about pro cycling yeah, look, I, I think it comes down to, um, you know, it's a conversation that's applicable across a lot of sports, I think, in terms of um, uh, all that broader society, I think, too, because there's a, there's a technical aspect to it. There is this this real sort of um, thing in the world these days of, oh, we can measure the numbers on all these things. We can get all this data. It can tell us all these amazing things. And so, therefore, we can predict everything 
you know, perfectly using numbers. It's maths. You know, you can't get it wrong. And that's true as far as the numbers go. But what the numbers can't tell you is how you're going to react when you're riding on a rainy, cobbly Dutch road in strong winds and someone else leans against you to stay upright and what you do with that physical contact when you've never had it before. A number yes, can't or, tell or you someone that. goes down in front of you. You know, yes. all the numbers in the world can't help you if someone goes down in front of you. Like, yeah. you know, a rider like a rider, you know, the Dutch riders, for example, are probably going to be in 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 very, very general terms better at it because they're used to riding on Peloton, you know? It, exactly. it's it just is and, what it is. And and, and and there's all these little skills and things that the numbers can't teach you and that, that a trainer based program can't give you. And and it is also things like I don't think there's any particular snobbishness either about um, you know, other riders not being a big fan of the concept because it's also boil it down to its most basic thing. The safety impact, one of the things that is yes. semi unique to, to cycling, you know, you can put an inexperienced person on a on a soccer pitch, for example, and the risks that they pose to other players are actually reasonably low. Like they might do a bad tackle or something and, you know, someone might get a bit hurt. But it's not like they're going to be at risk of going down hard in a corner and taking out 20 other riders well this and... is this is what this is traditionally what happens in the world in the olympics is you have a yep. lot of riders who show up who've never ridden in the giant peloton before and one of the reasons that the that the, that the top teams will, will hit it on the front quite hard is to drop the hell out of all of those people because they are quite dangerous and and this is again it's not no disrespect to Leah Tol- Tolvelson and this is why if I was going to run a Zift program a Zwift type program maybe what I'd do is I'd do it through a national federation and they'd be yeah. able to go on some training camps and they'd be able to ride, I don't know, well, the Czech race with their with a national team, blah, blah, exactly. blah. And that's how I do it. So I've not been I've I've not been a fan of this program since it started. But what was absolutely fascinating in the Ella interview with Leah Torvilson is she talks about some of the problems she's had with it too and, and saying that for her, it's not been an unmitigated pleasure, has it? It's not been. No. It's also not been a. It's not been an easy entry into professional women's cycling for her either. Yeah. yeah, and and you know, and I think it's it's a good reminder too. You know, she, uh, full credit to her. She was very open and forthcoming about her experience, positive and negative, and and the challenges, and you know, and quite open about being scared of some of the stuff we've just talked about: slick cobbles, aggressive riders, narrow roads you know, terrified to crash, terrified to get dropped, most of all terrified to embarrass her teammates. Those are all really that valid was, concerns. I mean, that was really interesting to me that she said that because, of course, she knows that, like, yep. the pressure is on her to do well for Kanjan Shram because, you know, there's a lot of people who had... I mean, you know, we weren't talking about it publicly because it felt a little bit unfair to Thorvaldson to talk about it publicly. Yeah. It becomes, it becomes not about an individual, it becomes about a personalised regardless of where you are, you know, regardless of who it is. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, for her to say that, you know, she's embarrassed, she doesn't, because, you know, it's also for Kenya Shram, what they're saying effectively is we can take someone on the numbers and train her to be a good bike rider. Yeah. Which... Because that was part of, that was part of what yeah, they exactly. were saying all along in the promo for it. Yep. Um, and to be fair, yeah. I do actually think that's true. I just don't think your top team is where you do it. Like, no, like exactly. You know, as you say, I think a national team, if we had the equivalent of Conti level teams, that would work also. But, you know, and and don't get us wrong. Or like let's say, like, full credit like to... Some... 
Yeah, 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 exactly. Full credit to Torvalson, but like we like we often speak positively about things like the Australian national team exactly doing a couple of blocks a year in Europe to give riders experience at these sorts of races and get them used to some of that stuff before they try to make a permanent transition. You know, and look, like I said, I give a lot of credit and I really rate Torvalson's honesty you know she's she's got quotes like i haven't had anyone directly say anything rude to my face but i know it's being said sure i get hurt but at the same time you can't be mad about something that's true yeah i thought i mean that quote was just i uh, she you know she's just and, and it's also it's difficult for her because they're asking her well what what happens to you she's got a year contract and she says in the piece mm. I actually think it would be better off if it was a two year, if it's mm, two years, mm. because it is such a steep learning curve. Yeah. And of course, also, I mean, the thing is, is you can have riders who come out of nowhere and do really, really well, like, um, or, 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 or hit the, hit the, hit the ground running. Yeah. But generally they've, they've generally they've raced in their home, in their home domestic scene. Like, you know, you talk about like, I don't know, uh, Riders who've had a stunning um, debut season. It's very, very, very unusual to have a rider who's never raced before come in and just hit it. You know, or you have someone like Evelyn Stevens, who her climbing was spectacular, but she would make those terrible mistakes. I think there was a there was a, a either the Giro or the um, Trofeo Binder where she basically she had her pedal in the wrong place when she went round the corner. And so mm. her pedal scraped on the so her pedal was scraping on the ground and she nearly fell off, you know, uh, or she did crash. And it's like that kind of mistake that is is literally about racing. That's about learning to ride your bike, and you cannot learn on a trainer. Yeah, so I mean, I really recommend the article because Torvalson yeah. is very honest. Um, obviously, she doesn't know. I mean, I, I presume she's not. She knows that she's not getting a contract with Canyon next year because she's, you know, she's because I think she would know if she was. If that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Yeah. But I also feel for her because I don't think that this introduction is a is the best way to um, is the best way to help someone because I think it's a really good way for Zwift to sell a fuck ton of Zwift. Yep. You know, yeah. it's a fantastic way for Zwift to sell and... a fuck ton of Zwift. It's a good way for Canyon to utilize the Zwift PR. Yep. Yep. You Absolutely. know, and have other people do PR for them. But I don't know if I don't think it's I don't think it's good for the rider. And I don't yeah, think it's good for yeah. no, pro, think, for I our think, sports. I think that's fair. I, I mean, I would possibly be slightly more generous in that I think that there is potential for an iteration of this program that could work. I just don't think yes. I've found it yet. Um, no, and I yeah. don't think that partnering with a women's pro team is the way to do it either. Unless you've got a big enough team that you can say, actually, we're putting you in our, you know, we're going to, I mean, what anyone, if anyone asked me for years and years, if anyone asked me, how do I become a pro cyclist? I'm from Australia or whatever. I would say, as which I, you know, which comes from talking to riders, you know, reading riders stuff, talking to pro riders, I would say, go and do an absolute metric ton of crits in the Netherlands and Belgium, just do a summer se- do a summer yeah. season of crits, ride with a small team, you know, and then maybe you can get, and then, you know, keep getting in touch with teams. Maybe they could take you on a stagiaire, you know, see if you can get a guest ride with a team that's going to a small stage race, you know, yeah. race like that. That's how I'd say, I mean, Chloe, Chloe Hosking did exactly this. It's the Chloe, it's the Chloe Hosking model of, it's the model that um, Martina Bras helped a lot of riders do, you know, yep. that's how I'd say become a pro. And and if the Swift program was following that model, okay, for the first year, you're going to be on Canyon Shram, you'll come to team camps, you'll, 
um, you know, you'll do this, you'll do that. We're going to basically put you up with someone where you can ride a lot of these small crits, you know, yep. and then and then we'll take you to the Czech race. The yeah, Czech we'll, we'll take or you to another a, development race. Exactly. A targeted schedule of, you know, slightly lower intensity races that help get you prepared. And then assuming that you're progressing well in your second year, we'll take you to the next level shit we've just written the program haven't we yeah pretty much but <laughs> but see that's also then the thing that often happens and and i do find a little ironic and and kind of annoying is you know either we're really stupid and are missing something fucking obvious or everyone else is um, <laughs> sorry <laughs> i'm not I mean, sure what to yeah. make of that but yeah um other things oh we also had a race in america speaking of america there was the um tour of colorado uh which was a national level race which was won by sarah poidovan of uh raleigh canadian rider ahead of taylor wells and abby mickey um yeah that was that was a that was a nice fun three-stage race um yeah uh obviously we've got like a lot of stuff in the press about the um upcoming uci election and it's that time where people who generally don't talk about women's cycling at all suddenly start paying loads of attention yeah. to it and dissing each other on it i mean i don't know i'm disappointed that we that brian cookson didn't walk the walk um he talked he talked a very good talk before he was elected um unsurprisingly perhaps being from british cycling he didn't walk the walk in terms of getting us of things done Look, but it's what, you know I, I i just can't even be bothered to read any of this stuff though it's like uh, yeah. Look, the best thing I can say for Cookson is that he was better than than the setup he replaced. He, you know, he oh was God, better than McQuaid. Anyone. But, Pat McQuaid, yeah, I mean, yeah, but, but I mean, and, and, and actually, ousting Pat McQuaid was a really I, difficult job, and I think we have to give Chris Cookson praise for that because he you know we, everyone some thinks Pat, McQuaid, Pat, Pat everyone thinks Pat Cookson was sorry. Bro- Pat, Everyone thinks Pat McQuaid was terrible, but like, but yeah. he was very, 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 very hard to dislodge for yeah. many years. So maybe, actually, and, maybe and, that should be Brian. If, if Brian Cookson doesn't win, maybe that should be his legacy that he actually. So, well, look, the thing is, that's a big achievement. But then, particularly like when that's the bar for your achievement, I I have a friend who lives in upstate New York who has a pumpkin on his porch from last halloween that also did a better job than pat mcquade so like it's a low <laughs> bar is what i'm saying and you know i would be less disappointed if cookson had just if he if he had just been you know his platforming had been i'm not pat mcquade then fine mission fulfilled you're not pat mcquade great you managed to keep that up for two whole years you didn't turn into him well done but instead he said we're going to overhaul women's cycling we're going to do this that and the other thing and Look, I don't want to pretend there's been no progress because obviously there has been some, but I think where he sort of laid out a vision of this is where we're going to go and where we got to, we got into like the first page and a half of the index at the front of the book. You know, we didn't get into anything meaty. Now, one of the things that's difficult about this is when I work, I've worked, you know, we both work on projects. And one of the things that you can get into a real risk of is saying, oh, well, we can only do one thing at a time. Yeah. Yep. And that's a bad, that's a bad way to project, to, to, to manage projects, because actually what you should be doing is, you know, breaking down multiple, you know, doing multiple strands, working on multiple strands at the same time, you know, working out what you can yep. do. The UCI does have a problem that when you go to the commission, like Helen Wyman, when she goes to the Cyclocross Commission, she can only bring one suggestion of something that she wants to change to yeah. the to each meeting. 
Now, Helen is a very intelligent person and fantastic at her job and has been a really, 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 really good, 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 um, good person to be in that place. Because yep. what she does is she talks to other people and someone else will bring one of her points with them. Yes. Yes. So, you know, so, so, but that's, but that's not how, but you know, that's not, that's exhausting and it, just it is. is incredibly inefficient. And this is the problem with the UCI. They almost have, oh, well, we need to do only one, you know, we can only do one thing at a time. We've bought in the world tour. Well, the world tour, I'm not, I'm still not convinced by the, by the execution of it, to be honest. I'm still not no. convinced by all of the races. And actually, it's not necessarily the biggest issue. The biggest issue is, is the multiple, you know, is the need for multiple levels of teams, multiple levels of races, you and know, things like that's my hugest frustration is that the that I, even if I accepted that there's only one thing that we can work on at a, at a time, the UCI has been much like the Australian government, where you know we've gone okay, well if we can only work on one thing at a time, let's work on the team structure so that we can get a minimum wage in for women. And the UCI have gone, we've got a new women's world tour. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, no, that's yeah. not what we asked for at all. <laughs> yeah, and it also and it also is very 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 much aimed at the very top te- is is aimed at the very top teams, but it doesn't help yeah. the development of the sport. So yeah. you know, I mean. I mean, the, the first thing that he did, which was a really good thing, was he did one structural change, which was almost immediately say, I want to, you know, we should get rid of the average age for t- average age of teams because teams yep. had to have an average, you know, and that was stupid. But there's so much more. And the thing that's really stressful about it is people have been working on these things for years and years. And then things change at the UCI, staff change, it all goes out of the window. All the work that they did with um, on people that people did on, how the structure could change went out the window when the old uh when andrea the old um women's coordinator, coordinator yep stopped and that's and that's you know as a pro- oh god if you work on projects that's the kind of thing that makes you want to kill yourself like you know no project should be well, based on based on just based on yeah, one person exactly like it's, Pos- it's, possibly take a room full of people with you but you know like that's that's just like <laughs> yeah. Oh my anyway, god! In your, in your we'll risk register, <laughs> no, no single point of failure is like, like, jeez. Oh my god. <laughs> anyway, that's this week. As we say, Norway next week. Um, the, uh, Plue coming up. God, I love Plue. Live cycling, all live, all the time. It's going to be great. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. If you would like to let us know your thoughts on um, particularly the Zwift um, Academy program or any of the racing that we've seen or whatever, hit us up on the website. ProWomenCycling.com Or you can talk to us on Twitter. Sarah is at PWCycling. I am at DanWOfficial. And um, in the meantime, stay rubber side down. Let's pretend that's a thing that we say. Okay, cool. (laughs) Have a good week, people.